Welcome to Speaking of Sex with the Pleasure Mechanics. I'm Chris. I'm Charlotte. We are the Pleasure Mechanics. And on this podcast, we have raw, honest, explicit conversations about sex, pleasure, and the joy of connection. Come on over to PleasureMechanics.com, where you will find all of the resources we have been lovingly generating for you since 2006. When we launched Pleasure Mechanics on our first Valentine's Day together, um, we met in the halls of sexological bodywork training way back in the day, and we fell in love through and with this work, Mm. with the questions of how do we share the gifts that we were learning as students in the time in San Francisco in the lineage of erotic massage, And that lineage is all about honoring the body, showing up for the full body and exploring what is erotically possible, uh, what our bodies are capable of, and really kind of re-mystifying, falling back in love with the beauty and mystery and the animal body of our bodies, Mm. right? And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about something that the body does, Um, as a matter of natural course, right? It's just part of what some of our bodies do some of the time. And it's a place where we have so much cultural baggage and taboo, and not just cultural, like intergenerational, historical taboo that is still with us in our bedrooms, in our play spaces, and how we treat our own and one another's bodies. And it's one of these places that as we confront it together, we might be kind of stunned by how much other people's stories and opinions and cultural and religious taboo, right, and control of our bodies um, interferes with our ability to have our own relationship with these bodies of ours and to come to our own conclusions about what we want to do with our bodies and let alone treat one another's bodies with just like kindness and compassion and like awe and reverence maybe right like we're going for the awe and reverence around the body but like what if we can just get to the place of like kindness and compassion and not shaming one another so all of that is to say we are about to have a conversation about sex while bleeding about menstruation about period sex um and about all of the different ways we can talk about this, engage with it, but come to our own conclusions. Right. This is one of these places that we have inherited beliefs that we may not even realize that we have. All of And this is the case with all of sex. But this subject is really particular and we can almost see those inherited ancestral beliefs more clearly. And so it's a really interesting, important place to examine what do we actually think as individuals now at this point in your life? How do you want to relate to blood and bleeding people, whether you are a lover of them or whether you yourself bleed? I feel like it's a, we just want to bring it up as a point of thought to explore and to just make sure we're like updating our inner files and making sure that our values are aligned with our actions Mm. and how we are treating each other's bodies or our own. 
Well, and so when we talk about the intergenerational historical nature of this, right? Like humans have had to answer this question of what do we do with these bodies that bleed sometimes, right? Like roughly half of human bodies bleed roughly once a month. And even as I say that, there's so much variety within that. And we're going to just keep naming these spectrums and ranges. And so when we talk about bleeding, like we're going to move away from a language of like the monthly period that women have, right? Because that's actually old data and it's just not true, right? The easiest way to talk about it is that some bodies bleed some of the time, right? Through And we're talking specifically here about, you know, pelvic bleeding, about menstrual bleeding. Um, but this will bring up our relationship to blood itself and all of our bodies bleed. And we all have a relationship to this, right? I remember the first time I found like menstrual products in a gay man's house. And I was so honored by that, that they Mm -hmm. have a relationship with people who bleed. Therefore, they provide, you know, services and convenience for it. And so when we talk about that intergenerational historical nature of this, this takes us all the way back to like our very primal roots as nomadic tribes of bodies wandering and surviving together, right? And if by our biological nature and like different animals have menstrual cycles, different numbers of times per years, for humans, it's quite frequent. Uh, for a very long time in some of our lives, right? Like it's decades of monthly cycles. So this is something that we as humans have a long history with and different cultures in different environments and atmospheres, right? And this is one of those places I can geek out forever. Like how do you deal with blood differently in a rainforest than a tundra, for example, um, when there are predators around that you have to be concerned about, what are the technologies where we actually keep bleeding bodies safe? And this is one of those things that blew my mind as a college student studying the anthropology of some of this, right? Like we can look at with a certain gaze, like something like a cage up in a tree for menstruating bodies and be horrified, like they caged up women, that or they were creating an elevated sleeping and safety space for people who are menstruating to relax at night while being provided for by the rest of the people, right? Like, that's a really different story. And every culture has different stories around how they deal with blood and menstruation and honoring the bodies that bleed. We are in a culture now that has a very confused, shame-based amalgam of thousands of years of cultural and religious taboos around this that most of us have then embodied and inhabited through episodes of bullying and shame and this kind of vague cultural shame around this subject that's not so vague at all, really, as I say that. Like most people listening to this now in 2023 um, who grew up in a certain like culture where you're listening to this podcast, like, yeah, most of us have a certain like trauma around menstruation and blood. And then this is expressed in our individual personal conversations around sexuality. And it can feel really personal, but I just want to honor that like thousands of years of history here that we're all inheriting in different ways. Like, what did you learn from your parents and grandparents and friends at school and, you know, were you ever bullied around this? 
Um, and how does that affect how you deal now with sex while bleeding? I just want to unbuzz <laughs> so much there. I just want to summarize and highlight and um, a few of the pieces that I think are Please really re- relevant. <laughs> so like how we deal today with ha- our feelings and actions around how we have sex with somebody who is bleeding can be deeply impacted by thousands of years of history where people's relationship to bleeding bodies were navigated around safety of blood being in nature and that drawing predators and without having showers. We now live in a world where we have showers and there are no well, predators that okay, are coming. But, oh, but in between those two points yeah, is <laughs> thousands of years of patriarchal control of reproducing bodies, right? Like we can't ignore that either Absolutely. and what blood meant and how it was used to control and shame bodies, right? And like what the presence or absence of a menstrual cycle was imposed, like that imposed meaning of that on certain bodies and the, the, I mean, the bio, social, cultural, financial repercussions of this, like we cannot underestimate this. And the more we're actually talking about it, like I'm just, we have to excavate this and come to some different relationship with how we think and embody this truth today now. And so all of this is coming to a head first. (laughs) And because it's amazing, you know, we've done 400 and some episodes, and we've never really covered this, even though it's something that so many of us deal with, like on a regular basis. And we've done episodes about a lot of pretty out there things. And so in some ways, there's even an avoidance from us. And I think this is the baseline strategy for a lot of people. It's an avoidance of the topic. And for me, like I was meant to feel like it was like a burden or gross enough that at least you keep it private, right? Like you deal with it on your own. You learn how to slip a tampon up the sleeve of your shirt so no one sees you carrying it. Like you learn these strategies of privacy and secrecy. And see, yes, yes. And it's like something you manage. It's like kind of like a gross body function that you manage discreetly and privately as possible. And if you bleed on someone's sheets, you apologize profusely and replace the sheets. And it's right. Like even I, as a sex educator had kind of embodied this level of like avoidance and management up until I think the process where we were trying to get pregnant and that like changed our relationship with it. Right into one of and again how many stories we all carry about these things like the years of our lives where the presence of a period meant grief Uh, a whole cycle of grief to be managed navigated Mm -hmm. right so we weren't eroticizing that shit um And so then recently, like only in these recent years of my life, as we have opened up our relationship and I'm having sex with new and especially cis male partners, the way they have responded to my menstruation has been so revealing of so many different attitudes and stories we all carry and what they trigger in me. And I've had some like real deep shame triggered when like my period was treated as something that meant I was untouchable. Mm. Right. And sometimes this intersects with really well-planned dates and a lot of sexual excitement, anticipation. And then, wow, my body's bleeding. And that all of a sudden means something has come in between us and these sexual plans. 
And I want to just ask all of us to kind of examine, like, how do we think about this, approach this, manage this? What is the relationship and story we have with our own bleeding bodies? Right. And again, the range there, because some people bleed and it's not a huge interference in their life. Other people, it's like a major medical thing to manage every month. Some people almost never stop bleeding because of various conditions, right, and hormonal complications. Some people never bleed because they use an IUD that interferes with the cycle or they're post-bleeding or they never started bleeding in the first place. Right. There is an enormous (sighs) range of how people who are bleeding experience their own situation with blood. Um, and there can be an enormous range within one cycle for one person and then a huge range between cycles like it is so changeable and so this is where like deep communication and nuanced communication is essential and kind of complicated like it's a it's a skill set to be able to navigate um, the conversation First of all, we need to examine our own preferences and how we feel about blood and what we feel up for. Do we have like aversion? Do we have like a neutral willingness or do we have like desire to Mm. be up in the blood? Right. People are going to have an (laughs) enormous range. Some people want to like, you know, take the blood and put it all over bodies and like have it be like an art ceremony. You know, other people are like, I don't want to be around it at all. So like all of this is normal. We need to really name this range for people because like your again, your relationship to blood like it has all these cultural implications about menstruation, but also to the blood itself. And some people, as you said, are deeply attracted to it. And it almost triggers like a primal thirstiness, hunger, eroticism. And other people, it's aversion to the point of retching, right? Uh And that spectrum is just part of, again, the human spectrum of response to any one thing that we try to honor on this podcast. And all we do here at Pleasure Mechanics So we can come to these conversations about sex while bleeding, right? Like with that whole range accounted for. Right. And what I want to encourage people to think about is you're allowed to have your preferences always and forever, right? But like, let's look at the meaning that we're making around the blood and like, let's assess if what you are feeling and the stories you're telling about blood are actually true or current or are they like what you have been told about blood over time through your family through your religion through whatever influence you've had and i think that's the important part like we always want you to have your preference but like let's assess um the stories that we're telling about them and what that makes possible erotically or in terms of being with the body yeah and it's like any process like when we're excavating shame when we're going through this like what is mine what is historical Yeah, what is cultural like how do we have preferences within this miasma of culture right these are all really big questions but it's like at least we open it up unpack sort through it look at it and we can start having some clarity Mm -hmm. right and so this all came to a head for me recently where I had a week planned where I could have like as much sex as I wanted with one of my sex partners for a whole week because oh my god they were at a hotel nearby and this was going to be amazing and then I was bleeding the whole five days and the way it was managed and treated like almost ended our relationship Mm -hmm. 
Because not only did he have his preferences, which was no sex while bleeding, but the way he expressed it, like shamed and controlled my body in these kind of subtle ways that then became not so subtle to me. And like your preferences get to be your preferences, but we don't get to shame one another. We can have our preferences with kind boundaries. And this is a place where it's like so many dates have been like, well, sex on the period is okay as long as it doesn't look like a war scene afterwards. And they start comparing menstruation blood with violence. And you've had multiple people say that line. Many. Which is an interesting point that like it's a cultural enough idea that men as long as it doesn't look like a murder scene right like the exact same line yeah Yeah. so that is a (laughs) cultural idea that blood equates violence right this blood is not violent blood this is not from violence and so like let's let's detach that quite the opposite right and like how offensive that is towards my body and it's like cycles and it's expression of itself and like what it does to keep itself like balanced right it's like we all take shits we all pee we all eat like we have functions that happen within our bodies and yeah this is just a place where it's like you can express your preferences and navigate boundaries and practice shame-free communication and that's it starts with yourself like how do you think about this and like I just try to have a lot of compassion with it because like none of these guys are trying to shame me they all cherish me and I feel that but it's like they haven't learned how to be reverent and cherish the human body itself and very few of us have right well there's like reverence but then before that is just basic respect because like this is an important and valuable process and so you don't have to like fall madly in love with menstrual blood but you can respect that it's a really important thing that happens in the body and it's just part of being human and it's part of yeah yeah. and so how do we just like kind of neutralize it a little bit and just be with it as like part of the body and getting more comfortable with accepting bodies as they are right because bodies have all sorts of expressions right and like that might be nausea that might be pain that might be cancer that might be right like our bodies go through all of these things and we can't shame and desexualize one another. We have to have alternative responses, right? And so one of the best responses that I've received in this moment of like, oh shit, we have a day plan, but now I'm bleeding is like, what do you need, babe? Like, so beautiful. Are you comfortable? Are you in any pain? Like, how are you feeling? Right? Like, bringing our communication back to empathy and compassion and curiosity about one another's experiences and care didn't that person say do you need a hot water bottle like how fucking cute is that totally but it's like do you need a hot water bottle or do you need to be railed because i'm here for either one (laughs) right and it's like accepting that different people have different responses and especially like within different days of the cycle within different cycles within you know, just how your body is feeling. So we're going to take a moment and thank the sponsor for this episode. But when we come back, I really want to paint the picture that it doesn't have to be, again, these firm binary boundaries of you're into period sex or you're not. Like, how do we get more curious about the ways we can tend to and pleasure and enjoy maybe one another's bodies and our own bodies at every point in our cycles, right? Like, 
our bodies may need different things at different times. And so how do we have that conversation of like, what does your body need right now to feel loved and cherished and pleasured and supported, right? We want to take a minute and thank our sponsor for this episode, dipsystories.com. Dipsy is an app full of erotica short stories, sexy soundscapes, and even moments of beautiful, calm, serene, pleasurable bliss to let you drift off to sleep to the sound of a lover turning the pages of their book next to you. It's that kind of inclusion that makes me want to explore Dipsy and see what else they have in store for us. Every time I go on the app, I have a different, exciting, arousing, inspiring kind of experience. I really love the first person stories where a lover is talking directly to you. I think this is one of the easiest ways to explore new erotic energies and attitudes to see what turns you on. But recently, I've been enjoying the soundscapes more for this like relaxing background noise that I can fantasize within. So check it all out at dipsystories.com slash pleasure for a free 30-day all-access pass to all that Dipsy has to offer you. That's Dipsy Stories, D-I-P-S-E-A, dipsystories.com slash pleasure for 30 days free access and see what it lights up in you. You will find this link in the show notes of this episode and at pleasuremechanics.com slash toolbox. That's pleasuremechanics.com slash toolbox for all of the offers from our sponsors and some of our favorite sex toys and tools to get you equipped for the adventure ahead. All right. Thanks, Dipsy. And back to this conversation about period sex. I know it's a little messy and all over the place. (laughs) I haven't slipped not nearly enough period puns into this episode, so I'll I'll get on that. Um, But it's just this reality, right? It's like, it's this thing that happens to some bodies some of the time. We don't really have control over its like duration or timing or frequency. Um, It can come during the sexiest laid plans And it can be a real range in people from like, I need to curl fetal in bed with a hot water bottle to I want to get plowed, reamed and make menstrual art to, you know, worship my pagan gods with, right? (laughs) Like, we have a huge range of experiences here. And so the only response, as in so much of sexuality, like the only response we can offer is to get curious about what your experiences and how that overlaps with the bodies that you're lying next to. Mm-hmm. And this could be your roommate, your lover, your wife, your best friend. Like we all have relationships with bleeding bodies, right? And how we engage with that matters. And we can subtly be shaming and comparing it with violence, or we can also be like, very overtly supporting and showing compassion and love and curiosity about one another's bodies. Yeah. And what we say and how we act about these things in small moments throughout life and in those big charged moments of sex has an impact on people. Huge. It can create a sense of safety and deep acceptance and like integration of genitals and full bodyness. Uh-huh. 
or it can feel shaming and embarrassing and contributes to that storyline. And so what you say and how you act does have an impact. Yeah. And so let's like just bring some attention and see see what we want to choose there. But we were talking earlier about the range people were having within their experience of bleeding. And this is why it gets a little complicated because some people will not be interested at all in, in, in any kind of sex on day two of their period, but like day four would be totally up for it. Other people want to have sex because they're having intense pain and cramping and the uterine cramps of orgasm can be really mm -hmm. like relieving. Mm -hmm. um, so everyone's so, so, so different. And as a lover, right, some people might be really into blood and totally up for like oral sex while bleeding and be so honored or turned on by that. Other people, it's like, no, I don't want to drink blood, but I don't mind touching it or putting a condom on and having intercourse or using a toy, right? Or using like, your hands. These, yeah. we, when we say like having sexual repertoires means we can have more sex, we really mean that. Yeah, literally. Right? Yeah. Like, and one of the big disappointments with this lover in the hotel was like, he shut it all down because intercourse is off the table and oral sex, which is like our main go-tos. It's what we do really well together. I love it. Yeah. But like it showed that we in it, I got really like mad at myself that we didn't have that range that my needs could be taken care of while respecting his boundaries. Right. And to like approach it in that team way of like, what do you need right now? What can I offer? What's off the table for me? Like we all get respected here. And it might be that your sex intimacy during period means it's the time you like binge on Netflix and eat lots of yummy snacks and give each other foot massage under the cozy covers and cuddle a lot. And you both look forward to that in the mm -hmm. month. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like a time of like cozying down and taking care of one another. Um, you might discover in this conversation that you both actually get really horny during bleeding and you buy waterproof blankets and get ready for splash time. Right. Like <laughs> we all will have a different relationship and it's all valid and what we also can notice is as we have this conversation with self-compassion, this kind of historical curiosity of like, why do I think the way I think? Both self-histories, like what happened in gym class when you were bleeding? How was that treated at your school? How did your first lovers like we were having this conversation and Charlotte was like, oh, holy shit. No wonder I've had an easy time with this. Right. I've only had lovers who have been very supportive. And I was remembering, I hadn't actually forgotten How this. How nice but for you. I know. Sorry. Sorry. Um, but I'm not sorry. But not everyone has had that experience. But my first ex sexual experience was... Ever. Ever was somebody going down on me while I had my period. On, on the London rooftops rooftop. of London. Yeah, as a teenager. <laughs> so it was like, it just sort of started off being accepted. Yeah. And I think that really helped me. And you like, went to in an a dramatic level. School. Yeah. You and there, somebody was yeah. bleeding at school once and they just covered it up and it was less of an issue. There wasn't so much blaming. But like people are still doing art projects about wearing clothes that are bleeding in public. Like we're still at that point that yeah. it is a big thing. But if you do have inhibitions, if you do feel like there are things that get in the way of you wanting to, you're up for it. But like there's a mess situation to deal with. There are th actions you can take. Like you can become a person that has a black towel at your house that is ready for period sex. All or, our towels and sheets are black. Yeah, or you have, <laughs> yeah, like a cheaper pair of sheets depending on what your situation is mm -hmm. or a mattress pad mm -hmm. or like splash 
there are all these like new things you can buy that you can get super wet and then throw in the di- not the dishwasher the washing machine <laughs> like there are so many different actions you yeah. can take so like depending on what your situation is like you can navigate things and still be accepting and chill about right. it and as a lover right like it's okay to express that you don't want to do something and we can do that without shaming or creating like a gross out ick factor about the other person's body and again these are things that come up in all sorts of sexual conversations and they're like advanced erotic communication skills we are inviting us all to aspire towards yeah the ability to have conversations with one another to the nuance of like what I'm into, what I'm up for, how are you feeling on different days of this thing that like maybe has historical taboos. Like it has a lot of charge around it, this conversation. And so we can like inch towards it um, and honor the fact that just by having the conversation, we're opening up some breathing room to get out of our own like, habits ruts and assumptions here like there's so many assumptions like in my tear-stained conversation as I was about to leave this lover being like and you wouldn't even touch me during my period you know he was like I grew up in a culture where that was just absolutely off the table I didn't think any woman would want sex during her period like I didn't even think to ask right well he thought every woman would like to have cuddles during those five days right and you were like I, I'm not here for the cuddle. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's not everyone's situation, right? Yes. So and like, like, we we did have this conversation eventually, but it was almost like, um, I'm just saying like, have compassion because even I, who have like been ha- doing this my whole life, am struggling to have this conversation in a way that like, I'm realizing there's so much more body shame I'm carrying that like, we don't even know we have sometimes. Until you hit up against these things. Like I've been naked in front of so many people. I'm very body positive. I love my pussy and all that it like holds for me. But like, I didn't realize that I was still treating my period as something to be like managed and avoided. Even though I make menstrual art on my own, right? And have been doing those so since I was a kid. Like these are not simple conversations for us and we can hit edges of vulnerability that it's like whoa my lover's telling me they're super into period sex like am I ready to go there like am I ready to feed my lover my menstrual blood and pagan ritual rites like I don't know like that sounds like a lot and we have to have like humor and compassion around these conversations but these conversations really matter they are life-changing conversations they can shed so much uh like kind of shame that we don't even know that we're carrying Mm. and just open up our relationships with ourselves, with one another to more kindness and care and compassion at the end of the day and freedom because once we're like releasing some of inherited beliefs that we may or may not believe um we're leaving a little more space for our own authentic sexuality and connection and relationship with our eroticism and other people's bodies and our own to to have some more space and so it's a valuable and powerful inquiry 
and we kind of invite you to do your own self-inquiry but also be in conversation with people that you are in relationship with whether that's of a sexual nature or not like as you said we are all in relationship with people who bleed whether that's friends or um or lovers and let's just see if we can create a little more body acceptance and not be prescriptive about what it has to look like we're not saying there's any like sex that you have to have and it's like more enlightened to do one or the other we're really not saying that we just want to like open up the the conversation and have you explore it a little bit yeah and the conversation as you said with more than your lover because if you talk to your friends about bleeding and how it impacts them like you might find out that a few of your friends are also dealing with things like endometriosis or fibroids or um, you know like maybe you have something in common there and can support one another and share resources or bring each other snacks when you know you're hurting right Mm. like these things don't have to be invisible and again that's circling way back to the beginning of this episode one of the legacies of this cultural history we all share is the silencing of anything to do with sexuality or even the pelvis yeah right like you might tell your coworkers if you have lung cancer and avoid the conversation if you have prostate or vulva cancer just out of pelvic shame And the silencing there really denies a lot of us the care and compassion and connection we all need. And bleeding, it just became very apparent for me as this thing that happens on repeat for many of us and is a conversation we can continue to have to shed the shame, kind of confront our own relationships with our bodies and how can we bring more compassion and curiosity and care, right? And thank you to all my lovers who have been like absolutely amazing and generous, you know, and you and I, Charlotte, like in just having the preparations for this podcast are realizing like maybe there's more play between us that's possible. And so we've had this place of acceptance, you know, in our lesbian household where we share menstrual underwear sometimes, you know, it's like, (laughs) oh, you ran out, baby. Here, have some of mine. Right. And there's a lot of acceptance and support, but we could eroticize it even further. Right. Right. In the conversation, I was like, oh, I remember really loving like good information. You know, I was like, oh, but when you're with someone all the time, you're like, well, we can just do it on the other days. Anyway, there's just so much more always to explore and unpack in the world of bodies and sexuality. And we are all on this journey together. But we are trying to create a world of more acceptance, more freedom, more joy, more love. Yeah. And the start one conversation at a time, one thought inquiry. Let's do it together. So much of what we offer you here at Pleasure Mechanics. You'll find it all at pleasuremechanics.com, where you will find our complete podcast archive, or look for us on iTunes or Spotify. Leave a rating or review wherever you listen. It really helps us out. And we will be back with you again with another episode. Oh, and check out our online courses. You know, because we get these emails all the time from folks who have loved the podcast and then are delighted to realize that we have courses to guide you stroke by stroke in erotic touch techniques and spanking and kink. If you love the podcast, please check out our courses. They are all waiting for you at pleasuremechanics.com. And I love it when I get the emails that say things like, your strokes were the phrase book to my wife's body that I didn't know I needed, right? Mm. 
Like those are the kinds of emails I wake up to every day from folks that are in the courses who are having the aha moments and the breakthroughs where they finally get to touch one another in ways that express their love and devotion and passion. Um, we love that we can do this work with you from the privacy of your own home. And that is what we have been devoted to is creating online resources so we can share these aha moments of coming home into our erotic bodies and into that confidence, into the like relaxed confidence of a lover who knows how to touch and pleasure the body they love. Like, fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all waiting for you at pleasuremechanics.com and keep those emails coming where you can sound off at pleasuremechanics.com slash hello and record a voicemail to be included on future episodes. We love you. Thank you for being with us. I'm Chris. I'm Charlotte. We are the Pleasure Mechanics. Wishing you a lifetime.